Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. I'm picking up uh, this theme, This Is Love, which I began uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, this is right at the heart of the very reason that we gather. We gather not as a group of people who, you know, we kind of share religious beliefs. We gather as people who for many of us, the love of God has become a reality that has so shifted everything in our lives that we'll never be the same again. That's the transformational power of God's love. And I say love when I caught up with Abe during the week and he said, oh, God's just put it on my heart just about this whole striving. We've, you know, we've got to stop striving. And uh, it couldn't play better into what I say today. Uh, Many, many years ago, uh, we were visiting friends who were holidaying on the Gold Coast and swimming in the pool. And uh, Rebecca, our eldest, who's with us here this morning, who no longer has to wear a ring when she swims. But she was in a blow-up ring and kind of just kicking around the pool uh, as a little toddler. And uh, at, at some point, she actually slipped through the ring and started flailing about. And immediately, obviously, I go over and pull her out and... And she was obviously fine. But here's the question. What was it that saved her? Was it her love for me? Or was it my love for her? And silly question. And in the same way, what is it that saves us? It's not my love for God that saves me. It's God's love for me. That saves me. And many people have got to let that sink in because so often we do strive. We strive to get God's attention. We strive to feel somehow that I've earned God's love. You can stop striving today. It's not my love for God that makes the difference. It's God's love for me that makes the difference. It's God's love for you that makes the difference. And this is what we unpacked in the first part of this series a few weeks ago. The problem with our love for God is that it's constantly changing because our expression of love is inconsistent because it's tied to our emotional state. And our emotional state is up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And sometimes we feel so dialed into God. Other times we wake up and there's so many pressures, so many things going on. I don't feel emotionally dialed in. And so I then equate that with feeling far from God's love. And we make the mistake of, of, of uh, equating how we're feeling emotionally to how we're actually doing with God. And if we're feeling emotionally flat, then we say, oh, spiritually, I'm feeling flat as well. Friends, again, let me remind you, it's not your love for God that makes these things work. It's God's love for you. And his love is absolutely so consistent because God's love is an expression of his character. And God is not given to emotional extremes, where if God's in a bad mood, he loves you less 
today than he did yesterday. God's love for you is the perfect, purest form of love. And he loves you just because he loves you. For us, sometimes, yes, we're totally dialed into God, but sometimes the busyness of life and all the pressures and all the responsibilities kind of crowd God out a little bit. And so we pull back as other things take greater priority. Now, I'm not making excuses this morning. And in fact, the Bible does tell us that we are to love God with all that we are and all that we have. Mark 12 and 30, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Nowhere in that verse does it say love him with the best of your emotional well-being. It's with, with every part of us. God, I love you with my heart. I love you with my mind. Heart is about motivation, core motivation. I love you with my mind. God, do you, do you occupy my thought life? I love him with my soul. I love him with all of my strength. Do I give God the best of my energy or kind of the leftovers at best? So it's important that we love God as best we can. But again, we've got to get it the right way around. This was our key text from last time. 1 John 4 and 10, and it's, this is where we get the title of the series from. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And today I want to turn our attention to Jesus. And we read this account in Matthew 3 and 16. This is around the baptism of Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I loved. With him I am well pleased. The King James Version says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So in this moment, Jesus, in this moment, fully human, looks up, saw the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descending upon him. And he hears these words. You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. Jesus, I love you. I am pleased with you. And I want you to get a hold of this this morning. And it plays exactly into what Abe was sharing. At this point in Jesus' life, at least from the information that we have in Scripture, this is before Jesus has done a single thing for God. As best we know, he hasn't taught anyone. He hasn't performed any miracles. This is before Jesus has healed one person. This is before Jesus has raised anybody from the dead. And here he is, a 30-year-old man. And as much as we can tell from Scripture, has not yet done a single thing for God. 
But even before his ministry began, God says, you're my son, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. What an amazing launch pad for ministry. We know, obviously, Jesus was in relationship with God. But he hadn't yet done anything for God. And the lesson for us this morning, and there are people in this room that need to be reminded of this or need to hear this for the first time. You need to know this morning that without you doing a single thing for God, that God loves you. Yes, we need to seek after him with all of our heart. But friends, this morning, he loves you. And this is the platform from which Jesus' ministry is launched. God says, I love you and I'm well pleased with you. Not because of what you've done for me, because at this point Jesus hadn't done anything for God. I just love you because I love you. And I'm convinced that those words would have been ringing in Jesus' ears as he embarked upon his ministry. Man, I am loved by God. He loves me. He's pleased with me. Can I say that is so incredibly empowering. That is so reassuring. That would, like nothing else, just build confidence within you. What a great launching pad for ministry. Importantly, given the very next thing that was to happen. Jesus is taken from that amazing moment, that amazing encounter. It is, mate, that's a mountaintop experience. He's taken from that place to a place that is dry and barren. He was taken into the wilderness where he faced temptation like no one else has had to ever face. Tempted by the devil himself. And the nature of the temptations that, G- that uh, Satan offered to Jesus in the wilderness was basically to stop Jesus going to the cross. The nature of the temptations that the devil offered was to shortcut the process. And the devil promised Jesus all kinds of things. And in effect, he was saying, Jesus, there is actually an easy road that you can choose here. There is an easy option that doesn't involve the cross. Just bow down to me. Just worship me. And I'll give you everything. Can I say, if we hold it in our mind that Jesus wouldn't have wrestled with that temptation, I think you're wrong. If he didn't wrestle with it, it wouldn't, by definition, actually be a temptation. Jesus would have been aware of the road that he had to travel. And in his flesh, the idea of a shortcut in that moment would have been really, really appealing. Got to remember, Jesus in this moment, totally, completely human. So this is a very real temptation for Jesus. So here is Jesus 
in a dry place, in a wilderness place, being tempted. He probably felt so far from God in that moment. And he had the opportunity to abandon the road that was set for him. It was a hard road. It was a challenging road. It was a road that would lead to horrible suffering. And here he is in this moment with an opportunity to take the easy road. So how did he stay the course? Well, I would suggest it was far more than just commendable personal, personal discipline to fulfill his destiny. Maybe a huge part was the revelation he had of the Father's love for him. He has this beautiful vision from heaven, the reassuring words of his heavenly Father, you are my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Can I ask you this morning, what is it that allows us to stand in the dry, barren places, in the wilderness places? In the places where there is a temptation to take a far easier road. Well, let me tell you what it's not. It will never be our personal discipline. It will never be our determination. It will never be out of our love for God. It will be a revelation that God loves me. Friends, in the midst of a trial... God loves me. And because he loves me, I know that he will not leave me or forsake me. In the midst of a dry place, God loves you. Therefore, God promises he will uphold me and he will sustain me in the middle of that dry place. In the midst of temptation, no matter what the nature of the temptation is, God loves you. And no temptation is too great for us to bear. And here's the really interesting thing. When the devil tempted Jesus, what was it that he said? Uh, let's read it from Matthew 4. Uh, and I'm going to read it out of the message. Next, Jesus was taken into the wilderness by the Spirit for the test. The devil was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the devil took advantage of in the first test. Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. And Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city. He set him on the top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. The devil goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. He's placed you in the care of angels. They will catch you so that you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. For the third test... The devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they all were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock and barrel. 
Just go down on your knees and worship me and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. And he backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over. The devil left. And in his place, angels. Angels came and took care of Jesus' need. Now, here's the interesting thing. Satan did not argue with Jesus over his identity. In fact, he authenticates his identity. I think three times he says, since you are the son of God. Since you are God's son. So Satan acknowledges Jesus' identity. You are the son of God. But I want to draw a comparison to that moment when he was being baptized and God also authenticates his identity. But the devil leaves out a word. The devil says, you're God's son. God says, you're my beloved son. And maybe I'm just kind of splitting hairs this morning, but I think there's more to it than that. I think this reveals a really clever and subtle and effective strategy of the devil. He tried it on Jesus and he's still trying it on us today. And here it is. Get people to think they're not loved. So effective. And if Satan for just one moment could get Jesus to forget that he was loved by the Father, then maybe he would be successful in these temptations. And Satan knows that is the love of God that breaks the power of temptation over our lives. So what does he do? Well, I'm not going to argue with your identity. I'm just going to leave out the word beloved. And I want to tell you this. Satan would love to take these words out of your vocabulary. I'm loved. The devil sits on our shoulder and loves to whisper in our ear words that condemn us. Words that make us feel unloved and unworthy. And we so easily believe the lies of the enemy rather than believe the truth of our creator. He says, I love you. If the devil can get, it, get you feeling unloved, then he's got a foothold. Because it is the love of the Father and the fullness of his power that comes through a knowledge of his love that helps every one of us stand up against the temptations that come in life. If you're a Christian this morning, the devil's not going to argue that fact. 
In fact, he probably doesn't even really care. He just doesn't want you to feel like a loved Christian. He said, well, I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you sing the same songs every Sunday. I don't care if you go through all the motions. But don't feel loved. And if I can get you to feel unloved, then I'm sowing seeds of doubt. And if, if the devil can get you to a place where you don't feel loved by God, then I think it's a trap that we fall into where we're either trying so hard to do our best for God or we do the opposite and back off because of words of condemnation, because you don't feel you've made the grades. And devil, the devil is so effective at those two strategies. Friends, I think the thing that causes me to remain strong, the thing that will cause us, you and I, to be still standing at the end of the day, to continue to persevere. The thing that will keep us faithful as it was for Jesus, as it was for John, is the power of the revelation of the love of God. God loves you. God loves me. That is all you need to withstand anything the devil will throw at you. That's all you need to withstand anything your circumstances will throw against you. Friends, God loves you. Do you feel loved by Jesus? Do you feel loved by God? This prayer of Paul's that we unpacked to the church in Ephesus a little while ago, it says in chapter 3 and 17, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, and the two are linked, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Friends, can I say this this morning? Temptation loses its power when you know you're loved by God. Sin loses its power when you know you are loved. Loneliness loses its power when you know you are loved. Fear loses its power when you know you are loved. 1 John 4 and 18 from the message, There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling a fearful life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment is, not one, is, is one not yet fully formed in love. We, though, are going to love. Love and be loved. First we were loved. Now we love. He loved us first. Friends, why is this issue of love so incredibly vital? Well, I think one of the simple answers to that is because experiencing God's love is one of the most tangible evidences of our faith in God. There's so many people in this room who would stick their hand up and say, I know the love of God is a, such a real and tangible thing in my life. I can't explain it, but I know it's real. And friends, when we, when we truly and fully feel loved, it is so easy then to reach out in faith. To believe. 
when we feel truly loved, it's so easy to trust. And the opposite, when you don't feel loved, I believe you're incomplete. If you don't feel loved, you're not whole. For many people, if they don't feel loved, they can often wind up becoming very, very damaged. Decades ago, in the early years of our ministry, which was focused in, particularly in high schools, but on this occasion in Brisbane, we were in a primary school with our team. And at the conclusion of our time in that primary school, a member of our team had had an interaction with a, an eight-year-old boy. And it kind of really rattled them and we were sort of debriefing at the end of the day. And this boy had come up and said, I want to jump off the story bridge. Now, an eight-year-old kid, you start to unpack that. And she'd said, why do you feel like that? And he said, well, my parents are splitting up. My mum wants my younger brother and my dad wants my elder sister. Nobody seems to want me. Can you imagine the damage in that young boy's life? Feeling, whether it was true or not, unloved and unwanted. But that was the perception. I'm being overlooked. They're fighting over the other two. I'm not even getting a look in. God's love brings change. And we found out some months later, there was actually a, a positive God moment in that story because that young boy was eventually put into foster care with a Christian family and his life was turned around. But this is why this issue of love is so critically important. Because God's love can bring transformation. God's love can bring change to your circumstances. And it's an inner transformation that just changes the way you feel about everything, the way you feel about yourself. And it restores confidence, gives you strength. God's love is so transformational. Last time we talked about John, the disciple of love, who had this incredible revelation of God's love for him. And he, he writes so beautifully about the nature of God's love. But the irony in that is that he wasn't always the disciple of love. In fact, Jesus' nickname for John and James was the sons of thunder. And just quickly, we turn to this account in Luke 9 and we can begin to understand why Jesus gave them this nickname. Luke 9, 51, As the time approached for Him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for Him. But the people there did not welcome Him because He was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and then they went to another village. So John, 
was actually an angry young man. But then as we looked at last time, he was transformed by a revelation of God's love for him. And he goes from being a son, a, a, a son of thunder to being the gospel, of, the, 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 um, the disciple of love, the apostle of love. So a revelation of God's love so transformed him that everything that used to define him is anger. He wanted vengeance, flipped and he became this loving, gracious apostle. And I think a key to that was this revelation of God's love. Friends, God love, God's love transforms us. God's love makes us whole. What is it that destroys fear? What is it that destroys temptation? What is it that destroys uncertainty? What is it that destroys loneliness? What is it that destroys hopelessness? What is it that destroys rejection, friends? It is love. What's the remedy for loneliness and rejection? It's love. What is it that stops you from becoming bitter and cynical? It is understanding God's love for you. And the world over, there are millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people who just like that eight-year-old boy, for whatever reason, do not feel loved. And not only does it greatly affect their ability to believe in God, it also greatly affects their ability to trust others. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you don't even know God. But I want you to know that God loves you. And today, every single person in this room today needs to know that you are loved. And the greatest discovery that you can ever make in your life is that you are loved by God.